Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Open, polyamory, um, monogamish. It's important to know the difference so that you can like feel safe in your exploration. And that's really kind of what language is, right? It gives us the tools to explain and communicate what we want. If you never have to question something, then you're just always going to do whatever it is that your default is. It could be if you've never questioned your sexuality. You're, you're not making a decision. You're just going along with whatever programming is already yeah, written for you. Yeah, you're auto-programming. This is a Soul Fire production. I know my good friend Madison Girafalco from Burning Man. She's an immersive installation artist, a puppet fabricator, and children's book author. It's her goal to help facilitate space for creative communities and individual independence through the immersive arts and storytelling. Maddie is so much fun to hang around with. You guys are in for a treat. Maddie, I'm so glad you're here, not only because you're a dear friend, but we share a lot of similarities, I think, in both being uh, bisexual women who knew we were for a long time, but didn't necessarily make that public, share it with, you know, previous partners or our families, and now are navigating, you know, this adulthood with more freedom to maybe explore that or at least own it. Mm -hmm. um, as a part of ourselves. And I am just so happy you're here because I also love the work that you do and you helped me create the Openly Dictionary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're going to jump in and talk all about language today. Yes. Um, which I thought who better <clears throat> to have this conversation than someone who helped me put together, I think a very valuable resource for everyone who is interested in exploring open polyamory, um, monogamish because it's important to know the difference mm -hmm. so that you can like feel safe in your exploration. And that's really kind of what language is, right? It gives us the tools to explain and communicate what we want. And language carries like connotation mm -hmm. all the time, no yeah. matter how we say it or we use a word. Um, you know, you can use a word one way and you can use it another way and it means two different things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also like our upbringings go so deep into, you know, how one word can mean one thing said one way to one person mm -hmm. and then said the exact same way and mean something different to yeah. somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How was your family when you opened up about being bisexual? <sighs> um, it's kind of weird because I told my brother and he was like really cool about it. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, wow. Wow. Because it's like, it's not really even bisexual for me as much as like um, more of like a pansexual or, bi or polysexual. Mm -hmm. So gender doesn't really play a part in who I'm attracted to as as much. I mean, it does just like anything. But if I don't really care what the package is as long as I have that connection with somebody. Yeah. Um, which I don't think I even tried to explain to some members of my family. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just like, yeah, just queer. Like, I just feel safer in the word queer. Yeah. Um, because it's just a little easier to explain <laughs> because it's so big. 
talk about words. Yeah, exactly. Words are so great. I mean, this is like, so what, <laughs> what would you say is the difference between identifying as bisexual or queer? Well, I feel like bisexual is very, like it's bi. So mm -hmm. it's implying that there's two genders and only those two genders could you be attracted to have mm -hmm. a connection with. So there's male and female. And it's also assuming that the bi is male and female, which I kind of, I go into these rabbit holes with language. Um, but I think this is actually so important for yeah. people who are listening, who are either new on this journey or who've maybe been identifying one way because mm -hmm. their language is limited and yeah. they're like, oh, wow, I want to be more inclusive in the way I identify. Mm -hmm. Like I had had no idea what queer actually meant until you told me very recently the difference. And I was like, oh, wait, I would identify as queer yeah. then. Um, and for so long I had been bisexual and um, in that nature. And I don't think I've like made the switch in the way I think about myself yeah. yet, but it is important because you're right that what it's like what you're saying about yourself and what you're saying about other people when you're using these yeah. terms. Yeah. And also there's a social connotation too, because it's like when you say bisexual in our generation, at least, I think the new generation or like the younger kids are like a lot, the younger kids, who the am younger I? Kids. Who am I? Um, <laughs> the millennials. Or technically yeah. you are a millennial. Yeah. I think you're a millennial too, aren't you? I like on that's the, the you know what the jury's out on that actually <laughs> um I don't identify as millennial nothing against millennials yeah but like the gen what are they gen z gen z yeah, yeah they like um I feel like they have a lot more freedom I've noticed like I have friends of mine um at when we've been at like queer events mm -hmm. where like we see these younger like 20 year olds and they're all like holding hands and just like very they just seem so comfortable and like, we've kind of had jealousy of just being like, oh man, like you guys are so young. And like, I'm still nervous around girls. Like, I just like, I get so nervous. Um, so it's like, you know, oh, but what I was getting at before I went on this tangent was in our generation, bisexual had this connotation of like, um, you're trying to get attention. You're mm -hmm. making out with somebody at a party because a guy wants you to. And mm -hmm. there's some sort of like, uh, voyeur element involved where yes. like somebody's watching you perform something and you're kind of doing like a sex act for a man, a male gaze or yes. like whatever. Um, Which is literally how I like explored my bisexuality or my queerness in such a limited way yeah. in high school and college because that is the only model I ever right. had. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was like, and that was the only model that was like we encourage this. Like, yeah. This is like a good thing to do. Oh, yeah. Um. So I think that for people that don't want their like very personal nuanced sexuality to be like limited by this like social connotation of like this fratty, like, mm -hmm. you know, um, I don't know, like the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So party so I, culture. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think the word queer feels a little bit more accurate for people who want to bring I'm always like trying to get away from any kind of label. Like the more ambiguity for me, the better. Mm -hmm. But really what I would like, it's not ambiguity that's as attractive as like um, acceptance and people actually like considering what you might be going through. Um, and I found it's easier to just like hide in sort of ambiguity and I mm. feel more comfortable and safe in there. I'm kind of working this out as we're talking. Yeah, <laughs> I love this. I'm so glad that you guys all have a courtside seat to Madison's uh, <laughs> session right now. It might lend into therapy. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, it's like um, I have coached Maddie before in the you past. Have. So <laughs> yeah, it's a natural perfect. place. 
Um, and I'm not crying as my eye has been leaking for like three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it does. There is like, um, yeah, this sort of um, safer, safer place to be ambiguous than to like declare, OK, this is like how I actually am. Um, and I think that goes into like words and language and how it's can be so limiting when it's limiting and so freeing when it's freeing. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I was listening to this podcast this morning with let me make sure I get it right, cognitive scientist Leah Bordotsky, which I'm hope I'm butchering her name, I'm sure. Um, but it's all about language. And she was talking about how there are, you know, over 7,000 languages in the world, first of all. So that's kind of bananas because so much of our culture revolves around a few. And when I say culture, like world yeah. culture, um, well, you know what? Let me let me not let me rephrase that because mm-hmm. it's not the world's culture. There are so many different languages right. and cultures happening, but a lot of the science that we have is based on like mm. Western mm-hmm. brains yeah. and studies that like focus on Western culture. Yeah. You know, a lot of times exclusively American culture. Mm-hmm. You know, or like. Europe, like a small percentage of, you know, English speakers in Europe. So we're studying those brains and we're thinking that that is true for the rest of the world. And it's really not. Mm -hmm. Um, It's fascinating because she's, she goes into detail about how there are cultures who don't even have words for numbers. Mm. So like we could look at a picture and count, like there are, you know, seven penguins, Mm. she says in this photo. Um, And someone who actually doesn't have a word for seven won't be able to like accurately identify the number, but it's because it's literally not important in their culture whatsoever um, to count things like that. Mm -hmm. And so they're limited cognitively in this way that we sort of take for granted. Mm -hmm. And there's um, just like so many cool, interesting uh, things that she describes. Like there's um, an indigenous culture, I think in New Zealand, um, who they completely identify with like north, south, east, and west for everything. Oh, wow. Whereas we would say left and right, they oh. don't. They're like, this is the northwest corner of like your leg, I think she says. And also like the way they say hello is not like, hi, how are you? It's like essentially which way are you going is what they ask. Oh. So they're constantly oriented in their entire lives on the direction that they're moving. Oh, that's beautiful. Which – Imagine (laughs) imagine the way that you would think, right? Mm -hmm. If like your entire being Mm -hmm. could constantly know the direction you were moving in, not just like physically, but Mm -hmm. also like spiritually and like, you know, all the ways that you would think all day long would be sort of colored by by that. And when it's connected to like the earth, you know, mm -hmm. because it's like the sun sets in the West and like, you know, it's more connected to a yeah. It feels like it is. Maybe it's not. Maybe I'm projecting on no, culture I don't know anything it about. It is. And the, the cool thing is, you know, she she pointed out that the way that we um, sort of orient is very egocentric because mm-hmm. right. there's, you know, it's like it's in relationship to me, yes. which is yeah. left or right, right. But actually the way that this culture is doing it, it's no in relationship, everything's in relationship to the earth. Wow. Um, you know, and it's it's so simple as you know, some some cultures right, left to right, and mm-hmm. some right, right to left, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just to think about what it, what's that doing in the brain? So, you know, for us in what we're exploring, right, in our relationships, we want to be like better communicators mm-hmm. with our partners. It's important to like 
think about these things. Yeah. Because even within our culture, you know, if you're brought up in a household that, you know, is very Catholic, for example, mm -hmm. or like something that we would both share, like Christianity, like you have a lot of language around guilt and I was blame. Say guilt. <laughs> yeah, a lot of guilt. <laughs> and blame. Yeah. Um, but there are cultures, <laughs> there are literally cultures in the world who are very blame centric. Mm -hmm. Like in in our language, um, it's like Madison broke that glass. Yeah, you have to be accountable for it. Right. Yeah. Whereas in in most languages, mm -hmm. it's like the glass broke. Yes. It, yeah. I remember I was in Uganda um, back like years ago, and I remember somebody was explaining like, "Oh well, like this thing broke," and it was like, "Well, are they gonna are they gonna like replace it for you?" And they're like, "No, it broke." And I was like, like, <laughs> like, like, oh yeah, like sometimes shit happens and the thing breaks, you know? Yeah. And it's like, why should that person be the one to have to? But there was like, my instinct was, well, aren't they going to like, aren't they going to reimburse you for that? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like such a capitalist <laughs> way of living. Yeah, it's really weird. Uh, but I mean, but it just, the cool thing is the more you explore it and the more you're in the question about it, it's like, it's not weird. We can actually like, learn to choose new words and new language yeah. and like mm -hmm. not subscribe right if we want to like right. obviously it's you know really challenging but mm -hmm. um you know it's important when we like want to communicate with our partners yeah and ask for the things that we want to ask for mm -hmm. like in our relationships um and i think you know even just men and women in general are are limited in the way that we communicate because our brains work different obviously yeah. mm -hmm. men are from a different planet. <laughs> We're from this earth. Um, but I know Posh and I, like, we love being in therapy mm -hmm. because our therapist literally translates, shout out to Gia, <laughs> like, and I'm not just saying, like, that's my takeaway is, like, she translates. It's like, no, she's like, okay, now I'm going to translate. And she'll take <laughs> what I said verbatim and she'll say, Jessica, or, you know, she'll say, Jessica said this. And what she actually means, Pasha, is this. Mm -hmm. And then she says what, and then it's like weird to me to hear it, mm -hmm. but I watch his face change when mm -hmm. he understands it. And mm -hmm. he's like, oh, and then she does the same thing, you know, for, for what he's saying yeah. to me. And it's yeah. like, oh my God, we really, we really suck at this. And we've mm -hmm. been, you know, we obviously don't, we've, we're doing really well, you know, and every Everybody relationship. Sucks at it. Yeah. yeah. But it's like, wow, we've known each other for almost 10 years and mm -hmm. we literally can't, yeah. can't understand each other. Yeah. I think that's important too, because I think um, at least like from my perspective, it's easy to like look at your impartial relationship and just think that like it's like perfect or whatever. Yeah. Sunshine and roses 24 7. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's important to remember that like you're not. Like there is, there's still communication problems. Like mm -hmm. after all of this work that you guys have done, yeah. Um, because I think a lot of people, like I was talking to a friend just last night, and she she was kind of like, you know, asking like, well, do you ever like worry? Like she was afraid to ask me, like, do you ever like worry that you guys like, you know, can't communicate? And I was like, yeah, like every day, and yeah. I tell him that I do, and like, well, you, you know, it's okay, you know. I I think that everybody is going through the, I th and then that's another thing we were talking about. I was like, it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman. It's like everybody who you're with is going to have their thing that they're not good at communicating or haven't worked out yet. Mm -hmm. So 
you kind of just have to decide which person you want to deal with their problems. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also like, I want everybody listening to hear this. We're, you know, we're really good friends and we're joking and like, we're saying we're, we suck at communicating, yeah. but it's like, some of us, yes, we have trouble vocalizing even like what's going on for yeah. us. But mm -hmm. I think it's because the conditioning is you don't want to trigger or upset somebody. Yeah. But guess what? We don't suck at communicating. Right. We all just have a completely different reality. Yeah. And so it can be kind of, you know, if you're a people pleaser, right? Mm -hmm. If you're like, <laughs> let's, I don't want to dive into attachment styles, but <laughs> if, you, if you've ended up being a people pleaser, it's, it's, you're going to run into like, getting nervous about communicating what's true for you because you're worried it's not true for somebody else. So just take that worry off the table because what's true for you is likely not true for somebody yeah. else. So yes. speak your experience mm -hmm. because it's what's going on. It's your interpretation of the events yes. that are happening. It's your interpretation of like what you're either predicting for the future, mm -hmm. what you'd like to happen in the future. And, you know, it's so important to just get that out there because the moment that you speak your truth, like everything gets lighter. Yeah. You know, you're, what you're concerned about is usually way worse and way bigger and way more dramatic. You're making it than what's actually going to happen. Because, because you think somebody's going to react to it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And once you do start communicating or get a translator, um, <laughs> things are like so much easier yeah, and you're like, oh my God, you actually like love me and care about me mm -hmm. and want something so similar. We just, yes, yes. you know, we didn't know it because we were afraid to say it. Right. Mm -hmm. Or we, or we said it in a way that doesn't commute, doesn't communicate the same thing to someone else. Yeah. Um, I think that was, I'm glad you brought that up because one thing I was thinking about a lot, if you never have to question something, then you're just always going to do whatever it is that your default is. Yeah. And so when you're talking to people that are coming from a different background than you, it could be if you've never questioned your sexuality, if you've never questioned your race, mm -hmm. if your wealth, your um, you know, your privileges, mm -hmm. then you don't, you don't, you're, you're not making a decision. You're just going along with whatever programming is already yeah, written for you're you. You're auto programming. Mm -hmm. you no, know? so I think that's also a really big challenge between if we're talking about men and women because men are coming from a much safer place in our society than women. And if you never, like one of the things that, um, I did this like Esther Perel, I love her. Yes. Um, <laughs> like intimacy worksheet. Mm -hmm. Um, and one of the questions on it was what were the messages that you got around men and women, boys and girls growing up mm. and talking to my partner about it. He had like, he hadn't really considered that. And I was like, well, it makes sense that you haven't considered this because you were in the default position um, of being like a man and everything was just like normal. But now that we're talking about it, you didn't feel like you matched these like ideas of like manhood or like, you know, like it didn't it didn't align with who you were. But because you were never forced to be like, why am I treated this way? Mm -hmm. You know, the way that girls are constantly like, you know, right. Then, then you never, you never explore these parts of yourself and it really is holding you back. And I think mm. there's been a lot of like, sorry, go on my soapbox. <laughs> no, keep going. Cause this is so important. Yeah. There, but especially around the word privilege and the way that people have been using, um, privilege as like a way to let people know about something that's hurting them. Mm -hmm. But if you're on the other side of it, sometimes you get defensive and you're like, well, it doesn't feel like a privilege. Yeah. Oh, privilege and, can feel like an attack. Well, and and 
And that's the point is that privilege isn't good for anybody. Mm -hmm. Like it's not good that anyone is unfairly privileged. Mm -hmm. And like the way that you might feel like, um, well, I'm not privileged. It's like, well, the way that you feel negative about that is like the reason it's a problem, you know? And, And so I don't know. I feel like there's a lot in the world right now, mm-hmm. especially around like race and yeah. um, and gender and queerness that we all do need to look at the system that we've built. And clearly nobody likes it because you feel attacked. Yeah. And like both sides feel attacked. Mm-hmm. So like we need to like accept that and not like take it so personally and then try to figure out new systems because the systems we have are so <laughs> Yes. No, please preach, girl. I And I think that this is such an important conversation because what you're saying is let's actually look at what we've built and take stock of it. And if we're talking about language specifically, it's like, let's actually look at what these words mean and assess, do, does it mean the same thing to me as it means to somebody else? Because mm-hmm. even speaking about privilege, so like I have some, you know, I'm obviously like white Western woman. I come from, you know, Philadelphia. We have a lot, we have the same, you know, background in a lot of ways. And you know, my family's very East Coast blue collar, um, you know, lots of Italian, a little bit of Irish and feel very attacked by the word privilege mm-hmm. and because in their mind, it means something different. Yeah. And um, I think that when you look at all of these words, bisexual, queer, um, you know, and then we'll, we'll get into like really the stuff about sexuality, mm-hmm. like um, how terms are really patriarchal. It's like if you can examine, okay, it means this to me and I feel very attacked. I feel triggered by it. And then open your mind to, well, what could it mean to somebody else? Mm-hmm. And how do I rectify that so that we're communicating and mm-hmm. we're both not upset? Yeah. Um, because people really want to be good people. Yes. I think it's just the the first line is defensiveness yep. because I don't want to be in the wrong. And blame culture. Again. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. well, I don't want to be wrong. I'm right. not racist. You right. know, it's like mm-hmm. that is the, the immediate gut defense. And it's like, you know, I'm not sexist. I'm not homophobic. Yeah. Um, but when your language is extremely patriarchal mm-hmm. and 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 heavy on the blame and heavy on the guilt, you know, it by taking stock of it and assessing where it is, we can build new terms. Mm -hmm. Like we were talking about how, you know, there's a word for when a woman dates a married man and either breaks up that home Mm -hmm. or causes a divorce, you know, she is a a homewrecker, Mm -hmm. a scarlet, a mistress, Mm -hmm. right? But we don't have the term for that in the masculine. Yep. Like we have a lot of these, you know, terms for, uh, that that really disempower women mm-hmm. sexually and empower men sexually. And, you know, there's really, I think, you know, we would like to say, we, we would like to look for somebody to blame on that. But at the end of the day, <laughs> it's just, we're evolving in our culture and yeah. in our language. And sometimes people aren't aware of how things are evolving and how they're being created. Mm-hmm. And so all we're saying is this is an opportunity to look at it and at least be conscious and shift it in a direction that's inclusive. Yes. Do you and your partner have any other communication tools that you use? Well, I do know like that one of my bigger problems when we first started um, seeing each other or when we first started getting serious was I was like, 
asking for what I wanted very directly because I'm from the East Coast like Jess and like <laughs> we're like it's a very it's it's a much more abrasive culture than in the Southern California and my partner's from Southern California like <laughs> originally so it's not even like I feel like the more west you go the more like sweet the people get <laughs> yeah, with the way that they talk sure. West and the South. <laughs> Did you come home and you were like, cook me dinner. Yeah. I'd like it to be ready in 10 minutes. I'm going to shower. You get naked. Right. Was it like? <laughs> it was more like, um, it was more like, you know, just when it came to, I want to be talked to like this. I want to be like touched like that. Like mm. I want to be things that were like things that he would have to do, you mm -hmm. know, or th like kind of performance, not performance in any kind of way, but just like in general. And I feel like me being so direct and blunt and it, it, he was reading it as like, this is an expectation. And like, I don't know if I can do, this is not what I usually do. I don't know if I can do this. And he's like internalizing it and not like saying, or at least back then, this is like an older thing that we used to deal with. Um, where now I've learned through therapy <laughs> that like, I need to be more like collaborative mm. and like, actually like see where his comfort is yeah. because I was kind of like on the defensive a lot of times, especially because I am, you know, like a feminist and, and somebody who I was going to quote air quotes feminist. And I'm like, I'm not air quoting feminist. Um, <laughs> You're like conscious feminist. What that. are people saying now? I don't know. Woke. I don't know. Yeah, so many, so many versions of feminism all to define it more mm -hmm. clearly, but um so you started to be like, hey, would you like to yeah. do this with me? Right. right, And just like finding out more like what are you comfortable with or like what mm -hmm. do you want? Because I was so eager to like plant my stake in the ground and make sure my needs were being met because I was just anticipating that they wouldn't be instead of assuming that he like did have good intentions. <laughs> and like, you know, but that's because it's based on how we're treated as women in this world. But yeah. it's also like not fair to put that on your very sweet partners who like only mean the best and are like very already conscious of you. Mm -hmm. um, and speaking of like Esther Perel and her podcast, like that comes up a lot, it seems like for people and their partners. Yes. Yes. Her show's called Where Should We Begin? I believe so. Right. Yeah. It's amazing. So good. If you guys want to basically have be a fly on the wall of her therapy sessions, mm -hmm. it, it's such an incredible show. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of women will like be really hard on their partners because they're like, I don't want to lose my independence as a woman. And it's like, well, I wasn't trying to take it. <laughs> yeah. Like, mm -hmm. It just seems to be a really, you know, common thing. It's and I think that really points out such an important distinction of like the difference between sort of the one on one interactions and interactions with like large groups and culture. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like what's acceptable in society or like what's happening, like, you know, I'll just, I'll go to like the extreme of like mob mentality mm. and then how that like sort of interacts with us in our lives. Mm -hmm. Like we're so used to what is like media and, you know, popular culture and television. But like when you come home, it's like yes. people are not treating yes. their partners the way that the and this is obviously like, you know, we're always generalizing here, but yeah, the mm. the broad sort of scope of like how men treat women right. in the workplace. And it's mm -hmm. not because they want to be bad. It's like the what they were given yeah. when they were born. Right. Um 
and and yeah, that's not happening at home actually because yeah. you're right. It's like one to one, and it's a specific relationship, mm-hmm. and it's like um, changes daily. Yeah, it's like what thing that worked last month might not work this month. Mm-hmm. Also, so you have to constantly be aware of how can I like like I'm not, I'm not going to assume. I want to go into this not assuming that I know everything about you. I think that's like one of the most valuable things that you can do with communicating is like. Because you know how like your mom thinks that you still like this one food that you liked one week when you were seven years old. Yeah. And she's like, but you love artichokes or whatever the thing is. And you're like, I liked artichokes for one week and now you always give me artichokes. <laughs> it's like the same thing. And and we should do it with all of our relationships. It's just not assume that like people aren't changing or like developing or evolving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Everything changes. Mm-hmm. You're just brand new every seven years. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Totally. I love pickles now. Did yeah. not like them when I was a kid. Or Same. maybe, I don't know. Um, maybe I did like them and then I didn't. And now I and do. You do. I, did you see the Matthew McConaughey like national pickle day thing? No. Okay, wait. We have to link that in the show notes because it's life changing. Um, but let's let's talk about the dictionary. Mm-hmm, you yeah. know, a lot of um, what we've been talking about is, you know, I think lending to how we can communicate better. And I, my listeners are always asking, like, how do I first even have that conversation? Mm. Like so many of them write and, you know, haven't haven't even told their partners yet that mm. they are, you know, attracted to the same sex. Yeah. Um, so it's like we we built something together that I think is really cool and really valuable. You know, Madison's an artist in so many ways. She's a puppet maker um, (laughs) and also an illustrator. So when I was like thinking about how to clearly explain these terms, I was like, they should be in stick figures. (laughs) And Madison's the perfect person to do it. So, you know, we've included terms like monogamy, polyamory, Mm -hmm. right? Monogamish, consent, Mm -hmm. these really important words that I think, you know, people have no idea what they are because they've never lived this life, Mm -hmm. right? That I've been living for seven years. I've never been invited to live the life or not even, and they've been like told, don't go down that road. Yeah. Like it's it's the opposite of being invited. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I can actually remember like when I first started to sort of open up and explore Um, I actually had a very negative connotation in my mind of the word swinger. Oh, swinger. And I still kind of do. I told you, I'm like, (laughs) kind of makes me feel icky and like, just, you know, because I'm thinking about like some awful like porn orgy from like the nineties. Everyone's wearing polyester. Yes. (laughs) If they're wearing anything. (laughs) So, so even I would never describe myself that way Mm -hmm. because of like, my relationship with that word mm-hmm. and what Pasha and I have swapped partners right. before. So it's like, that is the literal definition right. of that. Yes. Um, but it's like really what we bring to it. Um, and, you know, I just think that you guys are going to absolutely love this dictionary because not only is it like, here's the definition that I would you know, at least choose for myself after reading like lots of different resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we tried to make them as I think inclusive and sort of open as possible, but also define them for you because so many people and and so many of you guys listening, I I feel like have asked me like, well, I don't know if I like really, I don't know if polygamy is for me. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, I know it's like, there's a big difference between polygamy and polyamory. Right. right? So, so we sort of, we illustrate, well, Madison's illustrated that. 
um, for us. What was your- Maybe we should put polygamy in there, actually. I think we we, we probably should, actually. Yeah, so that people know like the difference. know what it is. Yeah. So just for the record, polygamy is yeah. when you can marry many other people. Yeah. Well, um, and specifically women. It's yes. like a. It's like a, I mean, at least my understanding, I don't know. Maybe I have the definition wrong. No, actually, there is a term for when women can marry multiple men. So polygamy- is specifically when men can have many wives. And then when a woman can have many husbands, the word is polyandry. Mm -hmm. So this is a prime example. I've never heard that word before. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard polyandry? Good point. Yeah, because, you know, we... Our, our language is very patriarchal yep. in nature. And mm-hmm. also, you know, do you know cultures where men can marry many wives? Mm-hmm. Oh, but many wives. Yeah. Yes. Oh, lots of them. Lots yeah. Of them. I was trying them. to think of women being. I thought you were being husbands. funny. No. I was like, oh, she's being cute. No. Because oh, yeah. I can think of I can think of like multiple on top of my head. Right. Yeah. Like we've seen it reflected back in us. the Bible, in the Bible. Right. <laughs> and so so when I was five, I learned that this is the way. Um, but also like we have TV shows about it, yeah. right? Have you ever heard of a, well, maybe you have, I feel like because, you know, being a feminist and yeah. you're really inquisitive and you, you love learning. Um, can you name cultures where women have many husbands? Well, that's what I was trying to think. I'm like, cause, cause I do feel like I've probably looked for Stumped this ya. and I, yeah, it's like, can I think of any? So that was the first pause was me trying to think of a culture with, yeah, no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there, there are so many. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Um, well, I know when I read Sex at Dawn, they referenced that, mm-hmm. but I just don't remember um, what the culture was called. Yeah. And I think it's, it's fewer and There's fewer now. There's something in Nepal where you like live with your, uh, oh. your mother. I think it's Nepal. I, I could be wrong on this, but you live with your mother and then you have like male suitors. I don't know if they're husbands exactly. I don't know what the cultural equivalent is, but they just like come and go. It's kind of like a like multiple partner thing, but you like stay with your family and then like you have partners come to you. Got it. I think that's what it is. I don't, I could be wrong. Please like somebody Google and that kind of sounds great. Yeah, It sounds nice, right? (laughs) It sounds really nice. Um, I mean, I live with my husband and actually that's what happens. So I feel like it's better than still living with my parents. Um, but no, I mean, I think we're making the point. It's like, Mm -hmm. uh, if we don't know, then we're out there talking about these things and, um, potentially using the wrong terminology. Like yeah. I've had friends who have been like, well, that's not for me. Cause like I can never be a polygamist. And you know, yeah. um, it's just important to know like what we're saying and, and what we're communicating. Yeah. And um, the connotation of polygamy is like just so oppressive for women. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's like buying, it's like marriage, how you buy and sell women. It's like, has that kind of a vibe to it. Like the old school marriage, I mean, like, yeah, you know. It does. And also yeah. like that is so unique to like your experience mm-hmm. as a woman in right. the West who right. like got brought up learning about yeah. it. Whereas, you know, in other parts of the world where it's right. practiced, it's like very empowering mm-hmm. for a certain demographic of sure. people. Um you know, so there's that. Yeah. I want to know. So what's been your experience in illustrating this thing? Ah, uh, well, I tried to be very mindful when doing it. And we had discussions about this as it was happening. Um, but we tried to make it so that the stick figures were gender ambiguous. So mm-hmm. it could be any gender on either on any of the stick figures, but also still communicate these are the same. This is the same couple. So it's kind of difficult, especially because we were just working with stick figures um, to make sure that these are distinct characters, but also like we want them to be sort of like fluid for anybody to, uh, 
be able to relate to them, which is also, I think it was pretty smart that you pick stick figures because it does make things a little bit more like this can apply to anybody, you know, this yeah. is, you know, I'm always thinking. Yeah. <laughs> um, also it was difficult in a lot of times to try to illustrate these terms because they are nuanced. And I think the, I'm a words person. I'm mm-hmm. a writer. I love words and um and I love illustrations too because it just helps clarify things. Yeah. Um but it was difficult to make something general enough that it could apply to any situation but also um specific enough that it was applicable helpful and useful to somebody. Yeah. So I don't envy whoever works at Merriam-Webster like they <laughs> got quite a, right? Yeah, it's like difficult. Um, it's, it's funny going to like Webster, but then going to like urban dictionary yeah. and then like checking resources, yeah. like the ethical slut and, mm-hmm. and, you know, polysecure and these amazing resources that have these, these actual dictionaries yeah. in them, um, to go through and, and see what, what felt best and mm-hmm. what fit and then sitting with them and kind of intuitively changing and shifting yeah. things around. Um, but I think you guys are going to love this because, um, not only, you know, is it illustrated with stick figures, but, uh, Maddie almost made him a lot of them like little, like comic strips where then the stick <laughs> figures are like acting out something. So you can like see these words in action, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, which I think is important so that you try know, to make it fun. I try to make everything I do fun. Yeah. If I can, if I possibly can make it fun, I try. Well, that's why I went to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, stick figures. I, I, I have a love of stick figures. She loves them. I really do. <laughs> This isn't the first time she's asked me to make stick figures for it's her. It's not. It's not. Um, but no, I think you guys are going to love this. And um, I'm so happy that we're getting it out to you guys. This dictionary is free. Mm-hmm. So um, if you head to, you know, our website or there's going to be a link in the show notes um, to just send us an email and get your free open late dictionary. Uh, there's also words I didn't know in there. Like what? Should I say it on the podcast? Oh, yeah, because yeah, then you can go look in the dictionary. But, like, I didn't know what a metamorph was. Oh, yeah. This yeah, is or, like, um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. What's the other word that means, like, uh, being happy for? Oh, oh, oh. oh, wait, I'll take the definition. You'll have to learn the word, but it means, um, like, being happy for your other partner's pleasure. So go check out the dictionary and find, figure out which word that one is. Yes, yeah, so it'll yeah. be like a seek and find. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, Maddie, this has been so much fun. This has been awesome. Yeah. I know. How your first podcast. I know. I, you were such a sweet, gentle uh host in my first podcast. Yeah, so I, I love it. you. <laughs> this is great. All right. So you'll come back? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Amazing. I'd love to. Mm. Yeah. All right. I love you guys. Go download the dictionary and let me know what you think. And of course, if you enjoyed this show, share it with someone who you think would love this information, would love this conversation. Um, And don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's a wrap, you guys. And it was so much fun. Please don't forget to leave us a review on Apple. Tell us what you loved about the show and make sure you're following Open Late, the podcast on Instagram. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.